Bear with me one second. Um, God just gave me another point to my sermon. <laughs> I got to find where it goes, though. Okay, so this is a follow-up to last week's message. So for those that weren't here last week, I'm going to give you a quick overview, and I mean quick um, overview. So last week, my sermon was on, on have to versus want to, the difference between a relationship or following rules. And so number one, I said there was two types, two approaches to Christianity. The first was the law, which is how you earn your salvation by following rules. And the second is salvation by faith, which causes you want to want to serve in joy. So, I asked also last week, is your Christian walk draining your life or adding to your life? If it feels like it's draining, you're still stuck in a have-to relationship with God. If you feel like it is fulfilling, you're in a want-to relationship with God. And this week, we're going to talk about laboring for the Lord. Makes sense. It's Labor Day weekend. So, first, we need to realize that we are God's hands and feet. That's the very first thing we need to know, and that He created us for a purpose. We are wired with certain characteristics and talents, not so that we can earn our salvation, as Ephesians 2, 8, 10 says. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, or his creation, he, he fashioned us, he molded us, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And with that being said, we all have different responsibilities. Every single person in here looks different and has different skill sets and different responsibilities within the larger kingdom of God. And so that is found in Romans 12, 33 through 6. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And Jesus, while he was being tempted by the devil, if you remember, he was to bow down before Satan and he would be given all of the kingdom of the earth. And, he, and Jesus' reply was, we are to only worship the Lord and serve him only. Jesus later in Scripture washes the feet of the disciples as an example to us. That we are to serve one another. This illustration also shows that Christ did not come to be served, but to serve. Wouldn't it be wise then to figure out what we are created for? What did God create us for? So many people I know always are searching for what is my purpose? What is my reason for existence? Why did God create me? Have you ever tried to use the wrong tool for the wrong job? I know every guy in here has done it. The example that came to mind, some of the ladies probably too, you know, I mean, like, I don't know, I've used my fingernail to try and pull a staple out and rip my fingernail off. That's not the right tool. It's a quick reminder. But another one is, you can drill a hole through a board with a screw and a, screw, a screwdriver, but it's going to take you all day. 
You can do it. You can bore a hole through a board doing it that way. Or you can take the time to walk in the house, grab a drill, hit it quick, and you're done. That's sometimes what we do with our lives. We grab a screw and a screwdriver, and we take the time to spend our whole lives cranking away, trying to figure out what God wants us to do instead of being in alignment with what God has created us for. You were designed with a purpose, and your life will be blessed when you walk in it. You will not have the same joy if you choose to ignore it. It's plain and simple. So in America, we call our job our vocation. But that's not the original intention of the word. The vocation is your calling. It's what you're created for. It's your mission. It's your purpose. It's your function. It's your profession. It's your occupation. And also in America, we think of certain jobs with a higher prestige than other jobs. We think of if you're a pastor, you're at this level, or if you're at a bricklayer, you're at this level, or you're whatever. I'm not putting real levels to this. But do you know that in God's realm, there is no secular, there is no sacred, it's just all sacred? It doesn't matter. If he created you to be whatever, toilet cleaner, whatever your job is and you do it unto the Lord, it is exactly what you were created for. And you should take pride in that 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 is what you were created for. I have met so many people who are happy people doing jobs that I would not want to do. And I don't think I could be happy doing them. But they found what they were designed for. And their joy is contagious usually. Do you know that we spend more time in our job than any other thing in our waking hours of our lives? We spend more of our day that we are awake. We even do, we actually spend more time at our jobs than we sleep. Honestly. Most people work 50 to 60 hours a week, and that's only, that's not counting all the times you check your email in the middle of the night, or check your phone, or your text, or whatever, because we're just so wired now, and we can't put them down, and we have to, to be all there. So we are there. So is your job draining or fulfilling? Is it draining? Then you might not be in alignment. So there's two questions Chip Ingram asked in a sermon recently. Are you excited about what you do for a living? And the second is, has God made you for what you are doing? Is he pleased? And are you deeply satisfied? I don't want everybody going out and quitting their jobs tomorrow. Just That's not the point of this message. But it is a soul-searching message to make sure you know what you're created for, and how you are to do what you're to do? Or do you fall into the trap of our society, or our peer pressure, or parent pressure, or our ancestry, or whatever, that you have to be a certain, you have to have a certain career, or you have to have a certain job, or a certain lifestyle? If your dad and your grandpa were both doctors, you're assuming you're going to be a doctor. That's what happens, you know? And that's not necessarily what you're designed to be. Or you do, are you stuck on something you tolerate or even loathe because of the lifestyle you've chosen exceeds the income you can make doing what you love and what you're wired for? And so you have to do it the rest of your life. What do you work for? Is it for your boss? Is it for others' approval? Clients? Or do you work unto the Lord? Colossians 3, 24 Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it 
not only when their eye is on you or to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you will, not, you will know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Or are you a person who does as little as possible expecting the highest reward? Do you just think by showing up for work, you're entitled to a salary of a CEO? That's plaguing our society today. But we all want our kids to do better than we've done. So this part is for the parents and then those that are grandparents and things. We always want the next generation to have it better than we do. So let's say that we're stuck in something we loathe or we have to do because we've decided this is our lifestyle, this is the home we own, this is the mortgage payment we have, these are the cars we drive, this is all this stuff. And there's no way out of it unless you go foreclosure. But we want our next generation to do it. So I'm going to give you some tools that you can use to help you raise your children to be able to find, or maybe even yourself, if you feel like you can take that risk of changing careers or changing what and trying to find what you're wired for. You know, when I, I mean, most of you know that we own, a, started as a shoe store, but we own a treads and threads. And most people, when they fit shoes, you put a shoe on somebody's foot, what's the first thing they do? They bend down and touch the toe. Make sure it's long enough. Okay, that's not how you fit a shoe. If a fit, shoe goes on, then that's on. But you fit it where the arch, where your ball of your foot is, has to be where the shoe bends. So you're not fighting against the shoe the entire time you wear it. That's why sometimes you put on a shoe and you go, this is the most comfortable shoe ever. Because it actually fits your foot. Other shoes won't fit your feet. It's just knowing how they fit. Same thing with jobs. Same things with careers. Same things with motivation and whatever we do. We have to find, not just because we can do it and we have the ability to do a job, we have to see if it's what we're called to do and what we're wired to do and why we were created. That will fit more like something that actually fits and doesn't nag at you. Because the shoe's going to win. Your foot's going to be sore. Your shoe's going to wear out faster. All of those, those things. And so your attitude is going to go sour if you're in a job that you just tolerate. So with our kids, all right, I'm going to skip a little bit. There's an acronym called SHAPE. Not sure where this came from. It's from a pastor, they, they say it's from a pastor at Saddleback, but nobody lists who the pastor was, so, um, but it's called SHAPE, S-H-A-P-E, and each one of those has something behind it. So S is for spiritual gifts. Has everybody here done a spiritual gifts analysis? How many people have? Raise your hand. I just want to see, because we've put it in emails, we've put it in all kinds of things for people to do that. Do it. They're free tests. Just put in spiritual gifts tests. Do it online. It takes... there's 200 question ones, there's 20 question ones, however intense you want to do it. It tells you exactly how you're wired to serve God. So don't invite people to your home if you don't have the gift of hospitality because you're going to loathe it, just like Martha loathed having Christ there because she had to worry about all the things she had to do. She didn't have the gift of hospitality. But find somebody that you can invite yourself over to their house who has the hospitality and you'll have a great meal and a good time. But maybe you have the gift of service, so you clean the dishes. You know, so find what you're good at. Don't just do it because that's what you're supposed to do. But find what those are. And there's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. I'm not going to list them all. 
But then in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13, it says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. H. H is for heart or your desire. What is your passion or desire? Kids have passion and desire when they are tiny. I mean, ballerinas and firemen, everybody's going to be that when they're young, right? They always find something that they have a passion about. What do you dream about? What inspires you? What do you want to see happen? And, and for us that are parents, our role is to be the coach. Because a lot of times we go, we don't know what we're good at. We don't know what, how people see us. We don't see ourselves in the same light, but we have to ask others. And so parents, you can, ask, you can help your kids to see what they're, what they're wired for, what their desires are. You can also help them just to understand that they can be anything they want to be as long as it is in alignment with what God has created them to be. A is for aptitude. Ability. What are you good at? What do you really design? Were you really designed for this? Is a question you have to ask under aptitude. I mean, for me, NBA basketball player. That's me. I don't think so. I don't think it ever will, unless they go to an eight-foot uh, net or something that I might be able to. No, that was back in high school. I could dunk on an eight, six-foot net, so I can just drop it in because I'm not jumping anymore. You know, or even me becoming a pastor. I fought it for years. I didn't think it was me. I didn't think it was, it was what I was going to be. And you know, the thing about aptitude is not necessarily what are you good at right now. It's what are you good at when you need to be in that place. And so recognizing the personality traits and those things that will lead you to that. And every single thing that you become good at, that you do well, you have to train. There is no way that you are automatically going to have the perfect gifting right out of the gate. You have to work. So it's not just a free, happy ride. It's you still have to work. It may not be college. It may be college. It may be the trades. It may not be the trades. But you still have to go through places to learn how to do what you're wired for. And I already said P, which is personality. So how are you wired? Like I referred to the family doctors, the trend of doctors. Well, what if you are the son that is, faints every time they see blood? It's not going to work for you to be a doctor. I don't even think you can get away with being a physical therapist without seeing blood. I don't know of a job within the medical field that you don't get to see blood. I was like, dentist, no, you prick somebody's gum and it's all over. You know, it's just, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. But, I mean, so you're not wired to be a family doctor. You're not wired to be in that position. So there's also, again, there's more personality tests out there. They're easy. Most of us, when we were younger, did the Myers-Briggs and different, there's all these different new ones out there. I did a Myers-Briggs last night because I wanted to see if it was accurate. So I'm an ENFJ, which I have no idea what that means. Extroverted, intuitive, uh, I guess J might, no, F, I can't remember, whatever. But it doesn't matter. But it says I'm a protagonist, which is better than an antagonist, but a protagonist. I don't know, and so it says that a protagonist is commonly employed in religious work, teaching, counseling, 
or sales representative. I might try to take the test and stump it. I don't know, because it nailed me. And I was like, oh my goodness. So then I was up till midnight reading about all of who I am, I guess. But uh, yeah, so it was pretty, I was like, that is pretty cool. And it was 100 questions, took me less than 10 minutes. And it nailed me. And I was like, okay, I'm in alignment. I don't have to fight this. I'm doing what I'm designed to do, I guess. That one was 16personalities.com, I think is the, the uh, questionnaire. But. And then E. Encourage them. Encourage them to be free to find what they're wired for. Encourage them to not have to fall into the trap of society or what your ancestors or grandma and grandpa or whoever puts on them. But help them to find what God has really designed them for. Um, A few years ago, I went to Celebrate Recovery, which is a 12-step program, for codependency of all things. Because I was trying to appease everyone and make everyone happy. Do you know how hard that is in a church? I had the shingles and, and uh, what else was it? The mumps or I don't know, something. I had some, I was, Steve Morehouse almost fired me because I couldn't get my, my, um, my uh, life in order to try and appease God. I was trying to appease man. And it was in my early 40s. And so I, one of the steps I had to do is I had to go back to my parents and ask them if I could be released from living to impress them and their expectations of me and be able to live for God's expectations of me. Thankfully, they did. And periodically, they try to put their expectations back on me and I get to go, no, 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 there's no take backs. I get to live for God now. So, but that's what I want you to do as parents. Encourage your kids, even if you have adult kids. Because like I was 40, my dad was in the 70s you still may be influencing your kids in a negative way that they are still trying to appease and live up to your expectations. I'm not saying you shouldn't make your parents happy. I'm not saying that you shouldn't try to do those things. What I'm saying is you need to find what you're wired for so that you can live the way God intends you to live. So with that, yeah, wrap that up pretty quick. So with that, spend time with God. We all want to know, we all want to live a life for Christ. We all want to be better Christians. We all want to do those things. But it starts with two things. It starts with the Word and spending time in the Word. And better yet, it's spend time in relationship through prayer. And the key to prayer that we forget most of the time is we need to be quiet and we need to let God speak once in a while in our prayers. We can't always just go, I need this, that, and this, and thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, amen. We need to have time to just sit in quiet and wait for God to speak back to us and to move us through the Holy Spirit. So let's go to prayer. So Father God, we thank you again today. I ask you to move in people's hearts that are stuck in a place that isn't in alignment with you that you would give them opportunities, that you would open doors for them, and that you would just give them the courage to step out and to follow you and to know where they are to be in alignment with you, Lord. And Lord, if, um, if you would, I would just ask you in this next minute or so to speak directly to those that are wanting to know what you have for them.
Father God, I thank you that you've spoken to some here. That some know that they are already where they're supposed to be. But they don't know that it's what you've made them for. Confirm that for them, Lord. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for who you are and the wisdom that you have and that you have called us all to be your hands and feet, Lord. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.